Liverpool and Manchester City are locking horns in their pursuit of the Premier League title. Both are still in the Champions League. Both are hoping to make the final four of the FA Cup on Sunday. It's a rivalry for the ages, but who'll come out on top? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Elite teams require elite analysis, so we'll have no problems here this weekend. Betting guru Mark O'Hare with us as always. Mark, Liverpool at Nottingham Forest on Sunday. Manchester City go to Southampton. These two do feel like the best teams in England and maybe the best teams in Europe by quite a distance. Yeah, agree on both counts. I think both um, are the best teams on the planet right now. Uh, and as you say, by quite a distance, I think... Uh, if you look at the Champions League prices, um, Liverpool and Man City are are quite comfortably clear of the pack. But Bayern Munich are, are kind of third favourites, and I, I think Bayern have have waned a little bit in the last couple of months. Yeah. I don't think they're the same force they were. We thought we we thought they were in the autumn at least, and I think these two have possibly not necessarily enhanced themselves, but at least consolidated their position at the top of the market there. And yeah, I mean this is a, an interesting. I don't really tend to bet the FA Cup too much, particularly in the earlier rounds, um, just because. It, quite easily really, just Premier League teams and now even Championship and League One teams and possibly League Two teams rest and rotate their squads um, during the early rounds. It's, it's very difficult to get, to get a good lean on something or unearth something which you, you can kind of back on the basis of, of what you've seen in the league form because the team sheets can be so different. And my attitude has always been if clubs don't take the game seriously, then why should I? So that tends to change though when we get to the quarterfinals or at least the semifinals. I'll definitely be sort of focusing in on the, on the final thought. But um this weekend is a is a tricky slate, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I, I think Southampton's trip to Man City is quite actually quite actually quite interesting because um, it's always a bit bold and a bit brave to try and oppose City at the best of times. But Southampton have had their number this season. They've drawn home and away against the, the citizens, and um, they've been given another really big handicap start at St Mary's. Um, you can back Saints with a plus one and three quarters start on the Asian handicap, um, which is quite interesting, really, because you only lose half your stake. If they lose the match by exactly two goals, you make money if they win, draw or lose by exactly one. Uh, the only way in which you lose your full stake is if they lose the match by three goals. Um, now, City generated just two and a half XG in two games against Southampton this season. Compare that to their average XG output per game in the Premier League, which is around 2.15. That's quite a feat from Southampton. Um, and they've also kind of given City plenty of decent matches at St Mary's over recent seasons. So in the last five times these two teams have met on the South Coast since 2017-18, that play would have actually returned profit on four occasions. Uh, the scorelines were 1-1, 0-1, 1-1, 1-3 and 0-1. So City tend to come through, but it's often quite a, a bit of a struggle really. And I just wonder whether it's something Ralph Hasenhutl is able to get out of his team, something systematically, tactically, potentially, but um, also the fact that this is kind of Saints' last chance saloon of the season really. We've seen domestically in the Premier League that they've kind of taken their foot off the pedal a little bit. You know, They're kind of in no man's land. We're in that kind of time of the season when teams start booking the holidays without a huge amount left to play for. But this is quite a big game for Southampton and I expect them to be bang up for it too. So yeah, potentially for that, there's an opportunity there for them to make the match competitive. But, you know, City, you don't want to oppose them too often. But I just thought the handicap was quite stiff compared to what we've seen between the two teams so far this season. The data doctor is in. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGold. Jake, the XG 
tells us, and you've been telling us all season, that there's quite a big gap between City, Liverpool and the rest. Yes, uh, and, you know, recent sort of games, recent data analysis would suggest that that gap's only getting bigger. Um, I previewed the Liverpool-Arsenal game for Sporting Life this week and just looked at the expected goal difference per game um, of all the teams in the Premier League. And Liverpool were top at 1.75, City at 1.7, and next was Chelsea at 0.8. So you see the gulf there that basically tells you that on average, City and Liverpool are racking up around 0.9 XG more than their opponents per game than Chelsea are. And then below that was Arsenal at 0.3. So the kind of the gulf in class is just growing and growing and growing. And both teams are performing at levels we haven't seen before. Liverpool, from an attacking standpoint, breaking all kinds of records um, from an InfoGoal XG data standpoint. They're just untouchable at the moment, these two. And by far away, the best two teams in Europe, in my opinion, and comfortably the best two teams in the league. It... It wouldn't be a surprise if, if the FA Cup final was contested between these two, if they avoid each other. Likewise with the Champions League final, because they are, for me anyway, streets clear. And not just on the pitch either, off the pitch as well. The way in which both clubs have run um, off the pitch from recruitment through just everything. They just do better than most teams, uh, if not all teams across Europe right now. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely just head and shoulders clear. And all the more impressive from a Liverpool standpoint when you look at net spend and things like that and they're well below uh, teams like Manchester City. So an incredible job done by Jurgen Klopp and exactly. his players just to live uh, with this Manchester City team. Odds compiler and top tipster Mark Stinchcombe joins us once again. Stinch, is quite interesting. You guys tend to tell me ahead of time which games you want to focus on. But as Mark says, cup football sometimes is a more tricky one. Is that generally the feeling that cup games are a more tricky one to predict than league matches? Yeah, absolutely. Like just to add on Mark's explanation regarding, you know, team lineups, for me, something that is just as prevalent and is you can't quantify is motivation. Even if a team does put out full 11 of their like first choice team, absolutely no guarantees that they'll, they'll want to be there. Essentially, you know, you look, you look at sometimes these, these teams, you know, when they're used to the, you know, these massive changing rooms and fantastic conditions, then they've got to go down to, you know, a league two club or something and they just don't fancy it. And, um, you know, I've not got like tons of examples off the top of my head, but you think about, um, you know, West Ham were very lucky when they away this season uh, in the FA Cup, ha- had to go to extra time in the end. Um, and obviously they'd have been massive uh, favourites to have won that during normal time. I think back to Leeds away at Crawley, I think that might have been last season. Um, and, that you know, that's kind of why we like Cup football, because it does... Uh, have upsets but as a better that's not that's not ideal for us at all um, to quantify these things so yeah I, I, I don't like it as a rule yeah I just tend to tend to avoid them um, I did have a look at the Forest Liverpool game I think one thing I've kind of noticed recently is because Liverpool have had almost a fully fit squad for a while um, Jake's already mentioned the the big uh, the big gaps between their um, expected goal difference so not only are they doing well at creating chances but they're being really good at restricting the opposition at the same time and I think that's been um, represented in the fact that they've kept clean sheets in eight of their last 11 across all competitions and it doesn't really feel as though that's been kind of lucky um, you know they 
the chances they are conceding are low quality. Um, so given the fact that Liverpool are, are very short prices away to Forest, two to nine, um, I thought maybe Liverpool win to nil at evens. If you if you were after a bet, might be might be the way to go. You look at Liverpool in the um, the League Cup this season, um, been away to Arsenal been away to Preston and Norwich, kept clean sheets and all of those, kept clean sheet against Chelsea in the cup final. But then to caveat that, actually Anfield conceded against all of Norwich, Cardiff and Shrewsbury. So again, that just kind of goes to show you the, the volatility because you don't know about team selections. I mean, in, in the favour of playing a first choice team here, there's the international break. But then again, you say, well, some of the, a lot of those players aren't going to have a break because they will go away kind of thing. So difficult to know maybe what, um, team Klopp was going to choose. I was going to suggest maybe the likes of Simicas and Milner would come in, but they, they were both injured um, again for the Arsenal game. So, you know, will he rest Robinson? He hasn't got a natural replacement. So, yeah, just far too many ifs and buts to me. So, given, you know, I think I mentioned it last week, there's so many matches you can bet on just because these are the FA Cup and maybe, you know, the top tier of English football. It doesn't mean that you, there's nothing bad in, in just watching them rather than trying to find a bet. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over-under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Brentford took a step towards safety last weekend as they beat Burnley. They go to Leicester on Sunday. Jake, what's the angle of attack here? Because Leicester well beaten last weekend at the Emirates against Arsenal. We don't know what they've done against Wren uh, on Thursday in the Conference League at time of recording, although they were in a good position 2-0 up from the first leg. Brentford, much weaker away from home than they are at home. They are, yes, but I think Leicester's defensive struggles, which continue, um, mean that both teams to score is a, is a bet again in this one. Looking around 1.8 on the exchange. Um, as you said, well beaten last week by Arsenal. Conceded around th- just over three expected goals, which is a, you know, I'd say a, a rarity. But for Leicester this season, they've got near that number quite a lot. Um, just so bad they've been defensively. Overall, they're allowing just over two expected goals against per game, which is nearly on par with what Norwich are doing at the moment. Which kind of puts into context how bad they are, how vulnerable they are. Um, but on the flip side, obviously, we know the attacking talent that they have at their disposal, and um, I think Mark said last week about how some of the, the forward players are, are hitting some decent form, likes of Harvey Barnes looking really sharp. Um, and they are still creating like decent enough chances, averaging around 1.5 expected goals for per home game. So they are racking up the, the chances, not quite at the same rate as what they're conceding, but it does suggest to me that chances at both end, goals at both end, um, is, is more likely to occur than not. And when you factor in Brentford as well, and they're kind of, you, you touched on it there, the Jekyll and Hyde sort of way in which they're going about the Premier League season, just being really good at home uh, from an underlying number standpoint and really, really bad away from home. Um, but they've also got that bit of stardust now, haven't they? With Christian Eriksen, who's slotted in nicely. He looks to be um, the sort of main creative force now within that Brentford team. And, uh, and they are creating quite a lot of good chances. And, I know it was only Norwich and Burnley that they've beaten recently, but as I've just said, Leicester's defence is on par with Norwich's. So Brentford should have no problems creating chances here, and particularly from set pieces as well. Leicester's defensive um, numbers from set pieces are absolutely atrocious. Uh, and Brentford, obviously, they're, they're quite a big team. They've now got Ericsson, who's got the uh, the quality to, to put in an excellent ball from, from a dead balls. And I believe that they actually scored a couple of set from set pieces in the last few games. So... 
potentially an angle of attack there. Um, but yeah, for me, both teams to score looks a really good runner. Stinch, you talked about motivation just a few minutes ago. When I look at this and think, I know there's not a massive points gap between the two of them, but Leicester will be fine, but they're not going to do any better than mid-table, you wouldn't have thought, whereas Brentford still need a result or two just to make sure they're okay. Yeah, we're we're nearly getting into that time of the season, aren't we, where some teams are perhaps starting to down tools. I think maybe we saw something similar last week with Brendan Rodgers' team selection against Arsenal with Ren in mind. The, yeah. the fact he, he rotated quite a few of the players there and didn't really lay a glove on, on uh, Arsenal, did they? Um, it's very, very comfortable for, for the Gunners. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I understand the the angle Jake's going for, but I'm I'm along similar lines, but I'm going for over two and a half goals just because I feel like Leicester are fantastic for... They could go and win 3-0, but then at the same time, they could also lose 3-0. They're just that sort of... They're so volatile. So I feel like... I don't think motivation will be a factor because there's not a European game they're going to have to worry about next week if they qualify because the you know, the international break. Um, so I think, you know, Rogers can like let them off the leash a little bit. Um, so yeah, I don't think we have to worry about that. But yeah, particularly towards the end of the season, I think, I mean, I think mentioned when Oxford played Burton, I think we found quite a good spot there where you could t- kind of argue that Burton's season was on the beach. I think Jake mentioned on Saturday's pod about um, perhaps Cambridge being on the beach. So there's definitely these opportunities that we can that we can take advantage of in the coming weeks. So it's definitely uh, worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, just very quickly on, on these two. Um, so Leicester just kept seven clean sheets in the last 41 games. Brentford just kept three in their last 24. Uh, 28 of those 41 games for Leicester have gone over um, 2.5 goals and they've conceded two or more goals in 15 of the last 22 games um, you know they just Jake's mentioned about them def- defensively and particularly from set pieces and Brentford have been woeful themselves in, in that respect defensively David Ray is back now which might make a difference um, although he did play in the FA Cup game away at Everton where they ship four and we know how bad Everton are so yeah I don't think there's any reason to to not kind of want to get with goals really at the price you know it's basically a coin flip I don't think anybody's out there back in unders to be honest um, mentioned about Christian Eriksen I think he's just giving them a, a, a breathe new life into their attack essentially um i think they were stagnating a little bit when you play that sort of three five two i think sometimes the two up front can get a little bit cut adrift from the rest of the team and i think him kind of floating a little bit has just given them yeah as i said just given a new lease of life i mean i don't think there's any surprise that he started two games the last two games they won them both after seven defeats in eight and you just look at his numbers against burnley in the last game most passes completed most passes into the final third he won possession six time so it's contributing in attack and in defense uh, created two big chances and, and got the assist for Ivan Tony's goal so you kind of look at Brentford all season and, you, and then you from an attacking standpoint then you throw in that you've got someone that's of a high class level as Christian Eriksen that looks to be back to what he was playing before then um, then I think yeah both teams are very good going forward and uh, yeah both teams are really bad defensively so goals whichever angle you prefer both teams to score over 2.5 I think they're both make sense. Spurs take on their old London foes, West Ham. Both teams still in the race for European qualification. Jake Spurs had a decent response to defeat at Old Trafford. They did, yeah. They went to the uh, the Amex, got a very comfortable victory. But that doesn't seem to be too difficult at the moment. Brighton are, are uh, maybe another one of those teams that are potentially on the beach that we've discussed. Um, They've been on the beach a long time. <laughs> Built a villa, I think. 
yeah, a few sandcastles as well, no doubt. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they Spurs, they, they'd be happy to get back home, I think, because um, at home under Antonio Conte, they've been excellent, really. Uh, averaged two, two expected points per home game, which ranks as the fifth best since he took over. Uh, and their XG process of 2.25 expected goals for 1.17 against is also the fifth best since he took over. And, and it does highlight the, the sort of superiority that Spurs do have in terms of creating chances um, when they're playing in front of their own crowd. West Ham, they've got a massive game on Thursday. We're recording on Thursday. They, they're hosting Sevilla in the second leg of their Europa League game. So that's factored into my thinking because I do feel as though um, that while they are still pushing to finish in the top six in the league this season, this you know getting in, into the Europa League quarterfinals and knocking out Sevilla is a bigger game than what this game is uh, on Sunday. And you know, away from home in the league, they actually posted a negative XG process, which was somewhat surprising given the sort of positive results that they've had um, on the most part. Um, but that basically tells us that they get out created on a regular basis when away from home. And um, quite interestingly, they've, they've lost five away from home and those five have come against Manchester City, Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool and Wolves. So um, five teams that currently sit in the top eight in the Premier League. Um, oh, sorry, top seven, aren't they? Well, uh, yeah, the Spurs did go back into seventh yesterday. So top eight, but they're playing a team that's also in the top eight. Um, and, you know, I think Tottenham, with a, an extra day's rest, with, um, you know, the, the home crowd, the home process, West Ham, um, away from home, and the fact that they do tend to struggle against the better teams, are happy to get Spurs on side. But they're a little bit short just to back out right. Um, so I've put Tottenham to win and over one and a half goals in the game um, together in the bet builder, which comes out around 1.9. I very much enjoyed the duality of there of uh, Jake effectively having a conversation with himself uh, halfway through that. Very good stuff. <laughs> uh, let's head to Italy, as we often do, because Mark O'Hare, you have two selections, including a very tasty Rome derby. Start with the other one first, if you could. Uh, I'm playing Elas Verona. Sure. Oh, yes, please. Um, so Italy's had a, a bit of a, a downturn in goal output um, earlier in the season. It was kind of going a little bit uh, well, well above actually where the sort of XG numbers were suggesting it should do. Um, so it's not a huge surprise that uh, the goals have kind of returned to, to something more like normality. But I still think there's opportunity to squeeze out a goals-based angle in this match. Uh, over two and a half goals would be a trading around 176 just looks a bit too big for a, a game involving two teams who, who can't defend effectively. Um, Empoli have failed to score in four of the last six, but you know that's what the top-level stats tell you. But four of those games, or all four games, came away from home. And they're back in Tuscany here. They've scored in all by two of their 14 home games since promotion. They've scored twice or more in half of those matches, but they get to keep a clean sheet at home. And they've conceded twice or more in 11 of those 14 matches. So already you're making quite a persuasive case for goals, eighty-six uh, percent. That's twelve or fourteen of those home matches featured both teams scoring, and same twelve or fourteen saw over two and a half goals land. So, yeah, in league average terms, they're you know returning the fourth highest goals output uh, at home. They're comfortably top of the charts, four point two one goals per game uh, seen in Empoli's home matches, which is obviously hugely strong. And then you've got Verona, who are joint top for overall goals per game output at three point four five, and away from home. It leaps slightly to 3.5. We've touched on them loads and loads of times this season. A team that just can't defend, don't really care about defending either. Yet to keep a clean sheet away. Conceded twice or more in 8-14 to 14 away, but love to get forward and score goals. Uh, the front three of Simeone, Barak and Caprari have, have um, you know, contributed 35 league goals between them and 14 assists, which is really impressive 
for a mid-ranking team in Italy. Um, they've scored in 11 of 14 away. They've scored twice or more in half of their away days. Um, and if you look at the away games, over three and a half goals has clicked in half of their away games, both teams scoring in 11 of 14 as well. Overall, they've actually scored in 25 of 29 now uh, and just three clean sheets as well. So kind of prolific in both boxes. Um, Igor Tudor's team just... Yeah, they quite relish the, the basketball kind of games, which are quite open and expansive. And I think they'll get that here. Um, so, yeah, going forward, I've no problems with them possibly scoring three themselves, but they could easily score twice. But defensively, they've got uh, selection issues yet again. Uh, injury and suspension is going to rob them of a few central defenders and central midfielders, weakening what is already quite a fragile sort of rear guard and foundation. So, yeah, quite happily to, to imagine Empoli can score here and uh, they should be able to play their part in what's, you know tends to be quite open and expansive games with Verona. Right, I will come back to you on the Rome derby, but I know Stinch has an angle on uh, Lazio against Roma as well. Yeah, I like the look of uh, over two and a half goals at four to five in the Rome derby. Uh, Roma games averaging 2.83 goals per game in Serie A this season. Lazio a whopping 3.45. Um, you look at the expected goals in those games as well. Uh, Roma's at three, so arguably could have seen more. Lazio's at 2.75, so... Um, perhaps they're overachieving a little bit but I think having a coach like Maurizio Sarri I think always got the potential for uh, over overperforming on those sort of numbers but they're all above 2.5 um, and you look a little bit deeper actually when similar teams uh, play each other at the top of Serie A so you look at the top eight when Roma have played the top eight seven of their 10 games have been over 2.5 and when Lazio have played the top eight seven of 11 have been over 2.5 for them so I feel like uh, when the two when two big these to face against decent opposition. It brings out the, the best in terms of goals. You look at the previous meeting the, the, towards the beginning of the season was 3-2 between Mourinho and Sarri. It's a very, very exciting. Uh, and the expected goals was well over four. So I don't think we're asking for too much here to see uh, three or more goals at uh, four to five. Mark, are you thinking along similar lines or something a bit different? Yeah, I had uh, goals as a potential angle, but um, I'll just talk about cards and, and violence, shall I? Cause, um... What? Marvellous. Yes. <laughs> That's what we want. We have got a fantastic Sunday because I think uh, around 3.30, you've got the Classica with Ajax and Feyenoord. This game around five o'clock, the Rome derby. And then you've got the Classico um, on Saturday, Sunday evening as well. So violence fans will have, have a lot to get through. But um, yeah, um, well, I talked about the Seville derby a couple of weeks ago and sort of did uh, some research on the on the sort of hot-headed derbies across Europe. And this ranks third uh, behind the Genoa derby and the Seville derby as well. But um, yeah, it's a big game for both clubs, naturally. I mean, it always is. But um, top four probably looks beyond the two teams. But, you know, they're still in a you know, quite a competitive race now to finish in the top six which would get group stage qualification for the Europa League. Uh, to finish seventh it means teams would have to qualify for the Europa Conference League, which is probably something they're all kind of keen to avoid. So um, there's plenty at stake. Um, both clubs seem to have found a bit of consistency recently as well. Um, certainly if you look at the sort of four, uh, eight or 12 game form tables, both clubs are going pretty well. Um, the reverse game was a 3-2 thriller. Um, so great omen there for, for Stinch's bets. But um, yeah, I mean... We don't really sort of have to, we don't have any card lines out yet, which is always a shame. But um, 
I don't think you need a, a strong referee to kind of hand some bookings out in this sort of, sort of fixture. You're, you're looking at around six minimum. Um, so the line's going to be pretty high. We've only just had confirmation that Mass Irati is the referee here, who he's an okay appointment, but I tend to think these kind of matches kind of just go above and beyond what seasonal or historic averages tend to produce with certain referees. So, yeah, things could definitely get out of hand. Um, you're going to have to be quite inventive to try and find something to, to make it work in terms of the match in terms of a, a bet builder. but um, So just focus on individuals again, who went pretty well in the Seville derby. I've picked out four players, two from each team, um, who I think could be worth putting in sort of doubles. Uh, Gianluca Mancini, he will be sort of top of the list, uh, top of the market for a card. He's been ridiculous this season. Um, the centre-half for Roma, 12 cards in 26 league matches, a few more in Europe as well. Uh, and Nicola Zaniolo, who, fantastic forward, uh, he's been booked in 11 of 23 games. Uh, he's known to sort of lose his cool a little bit in these situations, uh, likes to put it about a bit. Big guy as well. Um, and he'll be up against Luis Felipe, uh, Lazio's defender, who's carded in 10 of 26 appearances this season. Another hothead, uh, loves to get involved in amongst it. Carded in four of his last six derbies as well, which is always encouraging. And then it's not sure whether he'll start, but he played really well on Monday night. So Lucas Lever, um was really good for, for Lazio in their game against Venezia. So he might well start. And if he does, he's been booked in four of his last nine derbies uh, against Roma as well. So there's a couple of players from either team. You can make up a few doubles out of those um, to try and cheer on because the, the card line is probably going to be set around seven and a half, which is, you know, you've got to be a brave man to be back in over seven and a half, even if it is the Rome derby. But yeah, expecting cards, expecting incidents. It should be uh, should be a really good game as, as matches between these two tend to be. What's a shame for cards bets is that what you really need is two controversial coaches who argue a lot, who are always winding people up, but we don't really... Oh, no, we do. We do. <laughs> Maurizio Sarri and Jose Mourinho uh, will both argue uh, with a uh, just a blank wall if you give them the opportunity. Um, our fasting, uh, fantastic, even, multiples offer. I got excited about cards and violence there and forgot my words. Our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £10 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders t's and c's apply it's one of the biggest games in europe on sunday el clasico runaway leaders real madrid face resurgent barcelona at camp no jake this could be a lot closer than it would have been a few months ago oh 100 yeah um what a cracking sunday has marks it just to echo that um just finish it off with the classico why don't we yeah um the the sort of data that we've seen from Barcelona under Xavi is title worthy. That's just going to start off right there because he has turned the ship around quite drastically to the point where since Xavi took over, um, expected goal difference per game, Real Madrid plus 1.3, Barcelona plus 1.2. Expected points per game, Real Madrid 1.99, Barcelona 1.98. So these two teams are now very much on an even keel. Um, and, you know, even if we're looking at home and away records, because I know if you... Remember back at the start of the season, Barcelona were just tragic away from home, uh, going into the, the back end of last season as well. But since Xavi's come in, away from home, they've been excellent. They've been the best team in the in La Liga um, on a per-game basis, on expected goal difference per game and expected points per game. Um, the same can be said for Real Madrid when playing at home. Best uh, expected goal difference per game, best expected points per game. So it really is, as you said, very evenly matched and there is very little between these two teams. And you know the, the goal line looks a tad high to me because these two these games can tend to go um, unders. 
But I just thought the price of the draw at 3.75, I know it's a fairly boring bet to sit on the fence, but it, it, I just think that that should be a little bit shorter. I think there there is every chance that these two teams cancel each other out. Could easily see it being a 1-1 draw. And let's be honest, a draw, a draw is not a bad result for either in the predicament that they're in. Real Madrid, obviously, 10 points clear at the top of the table. This is probably one of their most, if not the most difficult game from now to the end of the season. Barcelona got the destiny in their own hands for top four, be that in the Europa League. Um, obviously, they play on Thursday night or through through the uh, the, the league route. And, and I could just see this being a, a, a either a really entertaining, high-scoring draw or a really tight, cagey, um, two evenly matched teams cancelling each other out draw. Um, I was originally going to go with Real Madrid to win, but just digging into the data, just just put it into context, just how good Barcelona have actually been um, since Xavi took over. And I do think they deserve quite a lot of respect heading there. Yeah, fair play to Xavi, but it does help if you've got a club that has a debt of around a billion euros that can still sign a ton of excellent players. <laughs> uh, finally, to France and a really tasty clash, actually. We talk about all these amazing games. Sunday is going to be superb. A really yeah, I tasty I clash. I didn't mention either. There's Boca Juniors against River Plate on Sunday night as well. Oh, wow. That, that's one for the Night Owls, I imagine. 10pm kickoff, yeah. Yes, of course. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, Mark's never going to see either his <laughs> child or his wife. Um, yes, to France. Uh, nice, Marseille, Stinch. Yeah, I swear Marseille just always play Sunday night. Like, yes. Liga have got lots of slots, haven't they? Friday night, um, Saturday evening, Saturday late evening, Sunday afternoon. But Marseille always seems to get the Sunday night game. Um, this is actually a repeat of the uh, infamous abandoned match where uh, I think it was Pi- was it Payet? He was getting yep. uh, absolutely pelted with uh, with missiles at a corner um, and they Again. replayed. Sorry. Again, that's happened to him in mm. multiple games now this season. Yeah, um, so they replayed the match in neutral ground and finished 1-1. And that's kind of the angle I'm looking at here. Under two and a half goals at 4-5. to five. Uh, It's the battle of the third best defence versus the best defence in the league. So Marseille have conceded 26 in 28 and Nice have only conceded 21 in 28. And it's no surprise really, it's the battle of the best keepers in terms of clean sheets between Paolo Lopez and Walter Benitez. But these are two are actually top three as well for post-shot expected goals, which is the, the goalkeeper metric we refer to quite a lot to indicate their uh, above-average ability. Um, I'm happy to say it's above-average ability um, because it's been going on a, over a long spread of games, a whole season, rather than just a select few. Um, you look at Marseille, actually, quite surprising, really, under Jorge Sampaoli, but 17 of their last 24 have gone under 2.5 goals. And Nice's last seven, actually, have all gone under 2.5, and there's only been a total of seven goals scored in them. And considering Marseille concede the fewest shots per game in the league at less than nine a game, just think it's going to be like a very tight chess sort of match and a very indicative of kind of old school French matches which are which are low scoring so yeah um, battle at the top and uh, I think it's going to be tight and cagey so under 2.5 at 4 to 5 yeah Jake was telling me actually that Infogol have been working on a new stat which is uh, expected bottles uh, that's just for Liga uh, that they're going to bring that out in time for next season that's all we have time for sadly on this edition of Football only better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of excellent domestic and European football content on betting.betfair.com that is well worth reading. From Mark, from Stinch, from Jake and from me, it's goodbye for now.